Amen. Good morning. Man, what a great day to be in God's house. I've, I often say that, but I've, I've never really saw a bad day to be in God's house. Have you? I don't think there are any bad days. Uh, I did enjoy the prayer yesterday. It was phenomenal. Uh, several men gathered together and prayed and prayed for all of us. And man, that, you kids can't beat that. So I want to talk to you. I want to actually finish up this passage of Scripture today found in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 8. We've talked about our, our, our command to preach the gospel. That that's to each and every one of us. From the time we give our lives to Christ that we are to be an evangelist. We're, we're to share the good news of what Christ has done for us. Also, we, we have talked about how, how that we need to keep our head in the game. That, that there are going to be times in your life where uh, a false doctrine or, or somebody may come against you, but you have to keep your head in the game. You have to keep your focus on what is right. We also talked last week about being a complimentary sacrifice to, to the Lord and, and, and what that means about being poured out before Him. And today I want to I finish, I want to talk to you about the crown of righteousness. Whew, I like that one. How many want a crown of righteousness? I know this is where Paul is, and, the, and we have talked about this passage of Scripture. It's kind of like, here's Paul. He knows he's getting ready to die. His life is going to be taken from him. It could be at any time. And Paul is keenly aware. This is more than likely the very last letter that Paul wrote, and he writes it to Timothy. And, and in this passage of Scripture, it's, it's almost like his last will and testament. He's, he's just pouring his life into Timothy. He's, he's sharing with his son in the faith on what he really wants him to know. And he talks to Timothy about what, what he needs to do. Then he goes on with himself. And he says this, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, now. There is in store for me the crown of righteousness. No, I want you to look at that. I want you to look at how definite it is. He doesn't say there could be a crown of righteousness. There might be a crown of righteousness. But Paul is emphatic. He says there is a crown of righteousness awaiting me. May we all, all of us, have that same passion in our heart. That when we think about the Lord's return, we think about the end of our days, that we can say, that we can exclaim, man, there's a crown of righteousness awaiting me. A crown of righteousness. What kind of crown is he talking about? Well, if you, if you understood where Paul, where Timothy was, there was a very Hellenistic or a very Greek influence, even though it was uh, controlled by Rome, it was there was a, a Greek influence, and they had brought in uh, games. The, the the Greeks were very big on, on games, much like the Olympic games. and And Paul was referencing, in fact, this passage of scripture, he references those games, and and he is saying there is a crown of righteousness that awaits me. He's referring to those that have have won the race, that have finished and completed their course, that when they would stand before uh, the ruler or the, or, or the judge or the magistrate, that they would place a crown upon their head to celebrate that they were victorious. 
And what Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, I have a crown waiting me. And, and it's going to be placed on my head. I, am, I know beyond any reasonable doubt, beyond any question, that I am a victor in Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. What, what power, what passion that, that Paul has. And he says, I have a crown of righteousness awaiting me. He's not wondering if he has one. He knows he has one. And look what he says about it. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. It's not going to be somebody else, but Jesus himself is going to place that crown of righteousness on his head. Do you realize that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that if you are a child of God, if you yourself have surrendered your life to the Lord, that you too will receive a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness given to the winners of this life. Paul said, I will receive a crown from the Lord himself because of a, a life well lived, because of a life well focused, a life well fulfilled. And it's not well lived or focused or fulfilled in him. It's well lived and well focused and well fulfilled in Christ. Paul said, I am going to receive a crown of righteousness. I, I would say today to you and to, to myself, that should be the passion and desire of all of us to receive a crown of righteousness. Sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the affairs of this world and, 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 and I love living. I, 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 love, I love a lot of things in this world. I, God created it and I love it. And, but, there, but there is something amiss if I'm focused on this life only. Paul's focus was on the life to come. He was focusing on, on eternity. That was his goal. That was his prize. That was his ambition. And he kept his eyes on the Lord. And he said, I know that I have lived my life in such a way that, that when I transition from this life, when I pass through that veil, when I cross the Jordan, I'm going to be met by the Lord. And he is going to give me a crown of righteousness. Of righteousness of being right man i can't i can't wait for that i guess i'm gonna have to wait for that day man don't you feel it bubbling in your spirit the crown of righteousness you know the only thing that keeps me from having it bubbling in my spirit is sometimes when i when i allow myself to get my eyes distracted off of the real goal the real prize the real trophy of this life is, is to serve Christ, is to, to live for Christ. As Paul said, to live for Christ is gain, but to die is great reward. Man, it's, it's one, of those, one of those passions that, that Christians need to have. I'm, I'm so glad that Paul was so adamant about it. But he, in the same passage of Scripture, he gives us some metaphors. He gives us three metaphors to help Timothy and to help us understand how he achieved this, how he arrived at this point in his life that he knew that he knew that he knew that he knew that it was beyond doubt. It was unshakable in him 
that that crown of righteousness was his. He had already fought the fight. And then he gives these three, and, and I, and I want to, uh, he looks at, if you look at it, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And I want to talk to you about those three things. He was looking at Timothy, he said, Timothy, if you really want to have that crown of righteousness, if you want to be as I am and, and get to that point and get to that day when you know your life is about gone and you, can, and you can stand there and say, I know there's a crown of righteousness, here's some things that you can do. Number one, what Paul was told Timothy was simply this. He told him to uh, get a new battery in his clicker. That's what he told him. Would you turn that for me, please? There you go. We have a crown of... Would you turn it one more time? Oop, look at that. Now it starts working. Can you believe that? Go back one for me, if you would. Technology can be a friend. It can also be a dastardly foe. <laughs> Paul said... Paul said, looked at Timothy and said, Timothy, I've, I have fought the good fight. Fought the good fight. No, notice he didn't say, I fought a good fight or I fought well. He didn't say anything about how he fought. He said, I'm fighting the good fight. I ha he didn't say anything about how well he fought because there is a fight that is right and good and just. We fight for what is good. We fight for what is right. We want to fight the good fight. Let's me know that there are some fights that I don't want to fight, that I should not be fighting. Many fights are just not worth fighting. I have learned over many years of being married that being right can make you wrong. It, and if you really want to watch the end of the game, you better say, I'm sorry. Many fights are just not worth fighting. Paul tell, told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.4, he says, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He said he wants to please his commanding officer. He's trying to help Timothy understand that, hey, here's how I fought. I focused on the Lord. I didn't get caught up in the things of this life. I focused on the Lord. Do not get caught up in the fights that are not worth your effort and your time and your energy. There are so many things in this life there, that there are hills that, that just aren't worth dying for. Politics is not worth dying for. I don't care how left you are, how right you are, how center you are. I don't care uh, what you are. Politics is going is here today, and it's going to change tomorrow, and it's going to be gone some point at some point. It's not worth your emotional understanding. It's not worth your emotional expense to get caught up when we know that the Lord is going to come back and He is going to establish His kingdom, and His kingdom is going to be ruled in righteousness. Don't get caught up in the things of this world. And I'm not telling you don't vote. I'm I'm just saying don't get caught up being one side or the other, focus on the Lord and everything else will work out. I, I have seen so many people in, in, in our culture today that are so riled up 
And it's like, why? I, I don't want to expend my energy on that. That's why Scripture tells us to pray for those that are in authority over us, that we could live a quiet and peaceful life. So I would encourage you, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in some of the social outcries, because some of the social outcries, though, they're, they're, they're good needs, and, but, but you can get so caught up in, in doing these things, that, and you can get so focused on this life that you forget that your real goal is to be a soldier for Christ. That, we, that our, our real goal is to fight the good fight. To fight the good fight, you have to know what your enemy is and who your enemy is. This is what Paul says in, in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, for our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. We don't fight other humans, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Can I, can I share something with you? People are not your enemy. You say, but you don't know the people I know. Yes, I do. And it's easy to look at them and say, man, that's my enemy. They're not your enemy. There may be people in your life that are provoking you. There may be people in your life that are even saying things negative about you. There may be people in your, eye, in your life that, that perceive that, that, that you're their enemy, but they are not your enemy. Anytime somebody is coming at you from that perspective, there you need to pray for them. That's why the scripture says pray for those that despitefully use you because Christ knew that those that acting that way are caught up. They are ensnared by the adversary. They need to be delivered and set free. And I heard that. You want to be the one that does it. I'll set them free, Lord. Just give me a chance. Give me that wiffle bat and I'll help them out. But people are not our enemies. People are not our enemies. It's the adversary that is our enemy. That's why I like so much about about yesterday about people getting together and beginning to pray where the bible says where two or three are gathered in my name there am i in the midst of them and and, and as you were two or three agree on anything that, that i'll do it and 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 that's why prayer is so essential and that's why we are fought against praying so often it's because the adversary knows that when God's people get their eyes focused on where they're supposed to be focused and they understand that the battle is not against people but it's against the principalities and powers and against those spirits that are holding people down and we begin to pray and begin to intercede and you see lives transformed and changed. The devil is afraid of that. That's why he's calling us to pray. That's why scripture tells us to pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray all the time. Constantly engage in that spiritual battle. Our, our battle is not against humanity. Our battle is against the spiritual wickedness. Our battle is also against self. Self. Self is a number uh, one enemy. If I didn't have to fight myself, I would be a happy man. Galatians 5.24 says this, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and desires. If, you, if you've given your life to 
Christ, you know, you, you say, Lord, it's not this life. I'm following you. I'm going to follow after you. I am not going to follow the desires of my heart. But how many, how many of us have crucified our flesh only to realize that our flesh likes to crawl off that cross? Paul said, I die daily. He crucifies his flesh daily. I mean, sometimes I have to crucify my flesh like three or four times a day because it tries to get in the way. This carnal nature, the way we think, when we begin to perceive that our enemies are our people or, or, or we're struggling or somebody says something and it, and it hurts our feelings so we want to retaliate or, or there's something within our very nature that we begin to struggle and wrestle with because it goes in opposition to Christ, that is us. We don't need the adversary to have a negative attitude. We can conjure that on our very own. Our enemy, our enemy is not only the adversary, but it's this carnal nature in which possesses us. That's why Christ, and we just sang the song about receiving that, that body of righteousness. I don't know about you, but I really long for that. I long for that day when, when I don't have to worry about, about having a negative thought because that carnal nature has been removed and I am really standing in the image of Christ. I mean, you, you say, well, the eternal life and that eternal body, yeah, I'm, I, I'm really, really looking forward to that. I hope the Lord adds a couple of inches on my height too. Uh, I, I would like that. Uh, but... But the reality is, it's not, it's not what that, that body is going to look like, nor is, it, nor is it the eternal aspect of that body. What I'm really focused on is shedding this carnal nature. Man, I'm tired of this carnal nature. You ever get tired of just wrestling with yourselves? We conquer that in, in prayer. It goes back to prayer. Man, prayer... If prayer is anything, it's everything to, to the believer. It's, it's, it's getting in prayer and getting to know the Lord and, and reading his word and allowing the word, as David said, let your word be hidden in my heart that I won't sin against you. Man, there's, we're in a warfare. We're, we're in a war against, against the adversary. We're in a war against our carnal nature. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I've already done it. It's complete. I have fought it. I've fought it. He feels excited about it. And, and we are to renounce self. That's what Paul said in Galatians. And may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Focus on Christ. Focus on what he has done. Keep your head in the game. Realize that, that everything you do in this life, if, if you do it for the glory of God, great things are going to happen. And on that day, you're going to be able to say, man, I have fought the good fight. May not have always fought well. I love, uh, I think it's Micah 7, 8. He says, rejoice not against me, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. There's going to be times in our lives that you may get knocked down, but it doesn't mean you have to stay down. If you get knocked down, you can stand up. Because it's not how many times you get knocked down. All you have to do is get up one more time than the times you get knocked down. If I get knocked down seven times, I just want to get up eight. And that's what the scripture is, is, is trying to help us understand, that we need to focus on that good fight, to love people, to love the Lord. The second thing that, that Paul says, if you would turn that 
please, it's, man, I really wish that worked, is he completed the race, his course. He said, I completed the, the race. He, he, he went on to say this, he said, he said, we have this great crowd, if you would turn that, uh, one more please. He said, in Hebrews 12, 1, therefore, since we have such a great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you realize, do you realize that when you're running this race of life and you have heaven cheering you on, that heaven is looking down and saying, man, keep on going. Keep on, keep on running. Keep on enduring. Keep on finishing the race. Because the race is not to the swift nor to the strong, but he that endures to the end. Man, it, it, it's, the race is for all of us. Stay the course in the race. Don't get um, you know, entangled by, by wrong doctrine. Don't get entangled by the things of this life. Don't get entangled by, by the the things that can hold us down or, or distract us. Stay focused on the race. Run the race. The race. Each of us has a, a race. I, I love that. If you really look at it, he says, I have finished my course. My course. The course. I have finished it. You know, each of us have, has a life to live. We have a, a certain number of days that the Lord knows. And each of us have a part in the body of Christ. Another way to say that is each of us has a course to run. Finish your course. Finish it well. Keep on the course. Keep on doing what the Lord has asked us to do. Would you turn that slide, please? One more time. There we go. Third thing that Paul said, he says, man, I, I have... I have run the, I have fought the good fight. I have kept, uh, I have run the race. I've finished it. And he says now, and I have kept the faith. I've kept it. I haven't let it slip from me. Jude, writing to, to the church, he said this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Contend. When you're contending, you're, you, it's, that is a, that is a wrestling match. It's a boxing match that you're, that you're fighting. You're contending for the faith that was once and all for all entrusted to the saints. You and I have been given the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold it dear. Don't ever let it slip. No matter what you face, no matter what you come across, when, you, when you're running your race or you're fighting the fight, no matter what you experience in this life, never allow the gospel to slip from your mind and your heart. Never believe the lie of the adversary that God does not love you, that God does not care for you, that God does not have a plan for you. Don't get entangled in the things of this life. Keep the faith alive and fresh before your eyes. Allow it to be the, the guiding light. In Hebrews 12, uh, in Hebrews 12, 1, he said, we are, we're, have a great crowd of witnesses. And he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. 
Man, keep your eyes focused on him. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. Stay the course but, and run that race, but keep the faith. Keep the faith in all that you do. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. The one that continues on to the end shall be saved. It isn't how fast you run. It's not even the length of your journey. It's that you keep the faith. Ephesians 4, 5 says there is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's only one faith. It's cross, it is Christ crucified. Is that, is that alive and real in your life today? Do you remember when the Lord forgave you of all your sin? Do you remember that time that the Lord pardoned you? Do you, do you keep it fresh in your life? Do you crucify your flesh so that you can live for Christ? Is, is, there, is there something in you that, that, that allows the gospel to be alive and real in your heart? We believe the same gospel that they, that they preached 2,000 years ago. How we present it may change, but the gospel never changes. And the gospel, the good news, is as powerful today as it ever has been. If Christ healed yesterday, Christ can heal today. If Christ delivered yesterday, Christ can deliver today. If Christ can set free yesterday, Christ can set free today. If Christ can give you the Holy Spirit yesterday, He can give you the Holy Spirit today. If, he, if you need a word of comfort from the Lord, He can give it today as He gave it yesterday. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel, the blood of Christ never loses its power. It's alive. It's a real Keep it fresh in your life. Don't allow the adversary to knock you down and say it's not sufficient for you because Christ is the all-sufficient one. And he is there for you. He said, I mean, I fought the good fight. Not that I fought a good one, but I'm sure he got a couple of uppercuts in there. Pow. You can tell I'm not a boxer, can't you? fought the good fight, I, 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 I ran my race, I finished it, and I've kept the faith. Man, can't, man, man I just want to get at the end of my days, I want to be able to say that. I've, I've fought the good fight. I finished my race, and I have kept the faith. But there's one other thing that Paul puts in here, and I don't want to miss it. Because it's the catalyst, it's the impetus. It's, what, it's the driving force in Paul that, that kept him in the fight, that kept him running the race, that kept the faith entrusted to him. And it was simply found in the last part of, of that passage of Scripture in verse 8. Let me read it to you again as soon as I find it here. He said, now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Then he says this, and not only to me, but also to all, all who have longed for his appearance. Longed for his appearance. 
long for his appearance. Do you long for the Lord's return? Do you long, do you have a desire for the Lord to return? Is it something in you that you just can't wait to see him? Peter said it this way, having not seen him, yet ye love him. And with a joy that's inexpressible, that you cannot even put it into words. You can't, you can't get a, a word picture in your mind. You can't capsulize it. You can't identify it. But there's just a joy in you. Even though you have never seen Christ, you love him with a passion and great desire that you long to see him. My friends, it's your love for Christ that keeps you fighting the good fight running the race and keeping the faith. Don't allow anything to steal your love for God. Because it's the love of God. It's, it's longing to see Him. It's thinking about when the Lord comes back and it brings joy to your heart. That's what keeps us driving and going. And it's when we lose that perspective, when that's when everything else begins to creep into our life. I know th this week, this next weekend, my, my daughter, which is in California, is going to be here with my son-in-law and my grandson. I'm going to have all of my kids and grandkids right here in one spot. You know what I've been doing? I've been cleaning house. I've been, you know, doing things that, that, you know, like, you know, actually trimming up the, the, mid, the blinds that we put on that were still too long. I had to, you know, trim them up to make them look good. You know, all the stuff that I've been putting off for months and months and months. But now everybody's going to be there, so I'm trying to make it presentable. Because I just can't wait. And you know what, and, and every time I do something for that, you know, it, it's, it's a joy. Because I know that I'm doing it because I'm going to get to see everybody. Not that I don't enjoy seeing my daughters that are here. But I get to see them all the time. Every day. And I enjoy that. But having everybody together is just like thrilling my heart. And, and every day it gets closer. And every time you, you, you clean a little bit more and do a little bit more, you just get more excited about that day. Sometimes I, I think... When I start thinking about the Lord, and I think about His return, or think about Him coming back, it makes me want to clean my house. I'm going to ask our, our praise team to come back, because that was a great segue right there. Clean this life. When was the last time you really thought about the Lord coming back? I mean, think about this. Can you imagine? Here we are, we're worshiping the Lord this morning, and then we hear the trumpet sound. And all of those that have been dead in Christ are going to rise from the grave. Wow. Then Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4 that, that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet 
the Lord in the air. Think about that. We're going to be transformed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There is a time coming that the life that we live in Christ that the joy that we are looking for in Him is going to become a reality. I don't serve Him so I can go to heaven and play a harp and sit on a cloud. I serve the Lord because He is the righteous judge. He has died for my sins. He has promised me eternal life. He has told me that I'm going to be like Him. I am going to be truly righteous and truly holy. And I just can't wait. And when I have that longing in my spirit, it's just so much easier to run the race, to fight the fight, and to keep the faith. And it causes me to evaluate my life and say, Lord, if there's something in here that needs to be cleaned out, you clean it. Here it is. And just open up the doors of your life and, uh, and allow that cleansing process to happen.